0: See, every person who trusts Christ as Savior is a tree that was planted by the Lord. And Jesus Christ, believe it or not, was that first tree. And that's why he says in Isaiah 53, in verse 1, And uh, who shall believe this report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant. He is the branch. He is the root. And that's who we come from. So, in the last part of this, he says that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. See, through the new birth, we can glorify the Lord because we have a a new birth, a new nature. And so we're going to go into the kingdom upon the earth. Take your Bible and now go to the book of Luke. The book of Luke, chapter 4. Luke chapter 4 interesting, because when Jesus Christ was here, it said that he was, um, came to the Nazareth, where he was brought up. And so we look there in verse 16. And it says in verse 16 of chapter 4, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to church every Saturday. Well, it, he had a custom. Uh, he was faithful. I believe a lot of people ought to be as faithful as they possibly can be, especially as we see the day approaching. But anyway, he says, and he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. We just read it. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And that place was where we just read. And this is what he said in verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. This is when the Lord came, God came to visit, and they wished not who it was. And much of the judgment that fell upon Jerusalem was because... They knew not the day of God's visitation, when God visited the earth. And then in verse 20, it closed the book. Well, he didn't read the other verse that's found back there in Isaiah chapter 61. Because the other verse would have told about the days of vengeance. Well, he didn't read that verse. Because he came the first time to do this. To fulfill this. The cross. There's another part of that verse he did not read, but that shows you that there's over 2,000 years at least between those two verses. So there's a big gap in there because the last part of that verse was never fulfilled in Christ's day. Now you take there and uh, Luke and go there to chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, I believe that's the right verse I want. Luke chapter 19. And look at verse 41, Luke chapter 19. Right-hand page, right-hand column, down toward the bottom. And you'll notice in verse 41. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it, saying, If thou hast known, even thou, at least in this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. In other words, it was prophesied, the Messiah is coming, told you all about it in advance, and he's here. He said, I'm here. And you wish not to, but you don't know who I am. In spite of everything that was done, you don't recognize me. He looks just like a normal man. He didn't look any different. So he says there in verse 43, For the days shall come upon thee. So the days were not there at this time. For the day shall come upon thee that thine enemy shall cast a trench about thee encompass compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. And you ought to underline this part of the verse. Because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation. In other words, when Christ came the first time. Now take your Bible look in chapter 21 of Luke. The book of Luke chapter 21. Now Luke chapter 21, you'll find he talks about many things that are similar to the book of Matthew chapter 24. When he talks about the beginning of sorrows. Which is this period of tribulation. The first three and a half years. This is the time of sorrows that is coming. And so he says there, uh, look in verse 9. And when ye shall hear of wars and commotions, be not terrified, for these things must first come to pass. But the end is not by and by. He said unto them, Nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. Great earthquakes shall be in diverse places, and famines and pestilence, and fearful sights, and great signs shall there be from heaven. And before all of these, they shall lay their hands on you and persecute you, and blah, 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 all these things that's going to happen. Now you go down there, and you'll notice where he says in verse 20, And when ye shall see Jerusalem compassed with armies, then know that the desolation thereof is nigh. Now, history has a way of, well, repeating itself. There can be a near prophecy and a far prophecy. Now, Titus came in from Rome, 68 A.D., laid siege against a city, and um, yes, Jerusalem fell in 70 A.D. But it's also a far prophecy where it's going to be fulfilled in the future, and the rest of the verse that was not read in the book of Isaiah, is going to be fulfilled. So he says this, down in verse 22, For these be the days of vengeance. Those three words, you ought to them. This is only in Luke, and only because of Luke chapter 4, where it talks about the first part, talks about the last part, quoting from the book of Isaiah. And he says, These be the days of vengeance. And notice also, we know that the end of the Gentile rule is going to happen during the end of the tribulation period, a time called the Battle of Armageddon. That's really going to end it. But now notice what he says also in verse 25. And there shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and upon the earth, distress of nations, with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them for fear and looking after those things which are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven shall be shaken And then shall they see the Son of Man, get this, coming in a cloud with power and great glory. That's not how he came the first time. So you have to know that he came the first time and was born. He didn't come in power and great glory. So there has to be two comings of the Messiah. He came the first time and suffered like he was supposed to. But a lot of people didn't believe it, but he did. And they didn't recognize them. They thought they were looking for someone to deliver them from the iron heel of Rome. And Jesus didn't do that. He came meek and lowly as a lamb to be led to the slaughter, as Isaiah 53 talks about. So here it says in verse 28, And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth not. This is talking to the people during the tribulation period. Because they will see and these scriptures that we're talking about are to the nation of Israel or to the Jewish people. This has nothing to do with the church. These are scriptures to the Jewish people. And Jesus is answering their question about when are these things going to happen. So we know that this tribulation period is seven years long. Christ is coming back. And it's going to happen just like he said. So when people go to the book of Revelation chapter 12... And they say, well, this is talking about, you know, the rapture. And so they want to move the rapture into the middle of the tribulation period because chapter 12 is the middle of the book of Revelation. But what about all those things that are mentioned in the first 11 chapters that has to be fulfilled if chapter 12 is the rapture? So I have a problem. And I'm sure that most people who studied the Bible would have a problem with that. Now, take your Bible very quickly and go to the book of Daniel. All the way back to the book of Daniel. And this is going to be in your notes. I thought I'd just write those things down for you. In the book of Daniel in chapter 9, you'll notice that in chapter 9, Daniel has a prayer meeting between him and God. And he confesses all the sins of Israel and he says what he has done. And uh, he's a, a good go between And it says, we have sinned against you and we've done all these things. But he wanted to know. He wanted to know what's going to happen in the future. He had an inquiring mind. And so um, it says there in verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon, and there's two things mentioned here. One is thy people, which is Israel, and upon thy holy city, which is Jerusalem, to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins, and to make reconciliation for iniquity, And to bring in everlasting righteousness. And to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Now, all of that is a reference to the things that has to be done when he comes first. And when he comes back the second time. And then he's going to set up his kingdom upon the earth. So, in this one verse are the things that Jesus is going to do. His first coming and his last coming. Now, notice what he says. He makes a statement here, and I also, I put it in your notes there, how that one is referring to the, the atonement, which is a different period of time. you got Yom Kippur, they call it different things in this. But anyway, what I want you to see is, this is going to start something and to finish something. So when Christ comes, He is going to be the end of the sin because He's going to make a payment for the sins of the world. And then He's going to... This time right here, as it makes the statement, reconciliation for iniquity. You have the nation of Israel. See, this is during this period of time that they have their um, time of mourning. And so it's a um, time for them to get things right between them and God and, and try to suffer for what they've done and confess their sins and It's supposed to be a time of getting right. So God is going to use this period of time to chasten the children of Israel. This is a great whooping upon the nation of Israel. And God's going to use the nations of the earth and gather them together and whoop Israel. And then after he whips Israel, (laughs) and right before they annihilate them, uh, God's going to intervene and take care of them at the battle of Armageddon. And then notice what he says. And then to seal up the vision and prophecy because it will finish complete. Because Christ is the spirit of prophecy and it will complete the prophecies about Christ and what he's going to do upon the earth. And then you have the anointed of the most holy. This is when there is going to be a new temple and he is going to be anointed the king of Israel. He's going to be accepted. Israel will accept him and believe on him. And then he kind of backs it out and he says, now let me tell you how it's going to happen. He says in verse 25, Know therefore and understand that from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to build Jerusalem unto the Messiah the Prince shall be seven weeks, three score, two weeks, or a total of 69 weeks, which is 483 years. 70 weeks would be 490 years, and that would be seven years for every one of these weeks. So 70 times seven, you got 490 years. Now notice he breaks it down and says in verse 26. And after threescore and two weeks, well, the other seven weeks that were mentioned in the previous verse, well, that was for the building of the temple. And when you go to the book of John in chapter 2, and he talked about raising up his temple, which was his body, they said, our fathers, it took 46 years to build this thing. Well, that's where you get your 49, there's seven weeks. From the ending of the completion of the temple... Until the Messiah, as he says here, says, shall be cut off. So this is not to his birth. Most people like to figure up things to his birth. No, this is not to his birth. This is to where he was cut off. And you'll notice what he says in verse 26, and after threescore and two weeks, 434 years, shall Messiah be cut off, not for himself. I wonder who he was cut off for. Well, that's us. He paid for the sins of the world. And then the temple after the Christ is crucified, the temple and the city will be destroyed. Now that's already happened. Then you see in verse 27, and he shall confirm the covenant. That's the prince that shall come, confirm the covenant for and it was one week. So there's one week left. That's the week. And there has to be one week left after Christ is cut off. And this week belongs to the nation of Israel. This week belongs to Thy people and thy holy city doesn't talk about it doesn't belong to the church. The church is not in the tribulation period. There's this gap from the book of uh, Isaiah chapter 61 verse 1 and 2 of almost 2000 years. So this is where the church age goes and God is going to take the church age out. And then there's going to be the tribulation period. Now I also gave you something else on your notes I'll just take a, hold it up here and see what did I tell y'all. <laughs> anyway, look down at the word note. Note, see that word note? That's why I had to go get my note. From the time of Christ, the triple has to be destroyed. Rebuilt for the tribulation. Then destroyed later by the Antichrist. Because the Antichrist is going to go into the temple and claim to be God. And the Lord coming in power and great glory does not come back after the working of Satan. So how can these signs be a reference to the second coming of Christ? I had a couple questions in my mind, so I wrote them down for you, in case you didn't think of them. When did Revelation chapter 7 and verse 9 and chapter 14 happen? Because it's first. It's first what happens. So take your Bible, and I want you to see this. Look there in Revelation and chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7. Revelation 7, you notice there's two verses that I mentioned here. One is verse 9 and one is verse 14. Now chapter 7 is before chapter 12. So I believe that chapter 7 probably happens first. It is a parenthetical expression. Yes, a chapter that's put in here. But it says in verse 9, After this I beheld and lo, a great multitude, which no man could number of all nations and kindreds and people and tongues, stood before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes and so forth. And so they um, had a question. Down in verse 13, One of the elders answered, said unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And where came they? Where did they come from? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of great tribulation, have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So these are those who came out of the tribulation period. There's many that will be killed during the tribulation period. This happens. And the Bible talks about also in chapter 8. Look in chapter 8. There's many things that are mentioned down through here. If these are the signs that's going to happen here and the rapture is going to happen here and they're referring to that happening next week. No, the end of this week. Supposed to happen this week. So if it happens this week, what about all the things that were supposed to happen before this week? Where are they? So the temple would have had to already been rebuilt. The Antichrist... But three and a half years had to be coming and rising to power. And there's a lot of things that has to take place. And have the Jewish people been making a sacrifice in the temple? I haven't heard about it. They haven't even built a temple. And it's going to be built three and a half years before, before the Antichrist comes, before he comes here in the middle, the temple has to already be built. And if those are the signs that refer to that period of time, how can it be? I have a question. And so here in the 8th chapter, and you'll notice something very interesting. All of these are talking about the blowing of the trumpets. These trumpets, the angels go out and they blow these trumpets. And so um, look what it says in verse 2. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So these are angels with trumpets. Now, When the Lord comes back in power and great glory, and we talk about the the archangel and so forth and the blowing of the trumpet, uh, that's the Lord going to blow the trumpet. These are angels that are blowing the trumpet down here, not up there. When the Lord comes here for the rapture for you and I, and it talks about he will blow the trumpet, the voice of God. And so that time is coming. But here you have all these angels doing all these things upon the earth and look in chapter 9. It talks about the things that are going to happen in chapter 9 and it says that there are certain things that are going to come out. Look what he says in verse, well, let's just look there in verse 3. And there came out of the smoke locusts upon the earth and unto them were given power as the scorpion of the earth had power, commanded them that they could not hurt and uh, the grass or the earth, and the green thing, and blah, blah, blah. And uh, only those who did not have the seal of God in their foreheads, and they couldn't kill them, and all these things are happening. Okay, when did this happen? You see, we haven't got to chapter 12 yet. All these are things that happened before then. Well, when did it happen? Well, it hasn't happened yet. Uh, look at something else that's kind of interesting. When he makes a statement in verse 14, saying to the sixth angel which had the trumpet, Loose the four angels which are bound in the great river Euphrates. And the four angels were loose, which were prepared for an hour and a day and a month and a year, and to slay the third part of uh, men. And the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000,000, and I heard the number thereof. So two, two million people, two million. So when did that happen? Has it happened yet? This is the thing that has to happen, you see, before. The middle of the tribulation period. These are things that are going to take place. But also I want you to look there in chapter 11. In chapter 11, look in verse 1. And there was given to me a reed like unto a rod. And the angel stood saying, rise and measure the temple of God. What temple? The temple has to be rebuilt. And then he says, and the altar... Because they're going to be making sacrifices. In the book of Daniel, chapter 9, verse 27, talks about, and he will cause the sacrifices to cease. That means they had to have started them. And look what he says in verse uh, 2. But the court which is without the temple, leave out and measure it not, for it is given unto the Gentiles, and the holy city, Jerusalem, shall they tread in the foot forty and two months. That's three and a half years. Now, in verse 3, he talks about the two witnesses that are coming. The two witnesses, I believe, are going to be in the first three and a half years. Because the Antichrist, when he takes over, he kills the two witnesses, the two prophets. When did that happen? Had the two prophets showed up yet? Had they been doing all these miracles that they're supposed to be doing? It ain't not yet. So that's why I can't believe that the signs that they want to say refers to when Christ comes back in power and great glory. I don't think it's going to happen. I believe that the Lord could come back this week. And it wouldn't bother me one iota. But I don't like trying to make the scriptures say something that I don't see that they really say that. You can sell CDs and books and go on radio and television and maybe somebody will think you're a great person. Uh, but I don't think you should try to manipulate the scriptures and try to make it say those things. You'd be surprised how many posts that I get on some of my messages on YouTube. Trying to straighten me out. He is great on the gospel, but, and then here it goes. He just doesn't understand prophecy. Okay? It's not like I haven't read a couple verses on it. I've been studying it for over 50 years. And I know just about every view that people have that's out there. And I know what they believe, and I just don't see it. So i got to go by what I do believe it says. And that's why in chapter 12 of the book of uh, Revelation... I believe those are some interesting signs, but I believe it's talking about the nation of Israel, bringing forth a son which was Jesus Christ, and that his son was um, called up into heaven, and there's going to be three and a half years where Israel will be into hiding, and God will prepare and protect her there, and that Satan's going to do everything he possibly can to send a flood out, try to destroy the nation of Israel or the Jewish people altogether. And those are my thoughts, and uh, for whatever they are worth. Look up here. If you're watching by internet, in spite of everything, this is still the most important thing. This is the priority. Sometimes you can talk to somebody and they have a, a little hobby horse to ride. And you can talk to them, and all they want to talk about is that little hobby horse. And it can be, you know, a particular truth that's in the Bible. But you talk to a, you know, a church of Christ, and it's always baptism. You talk to a Seventh-day Adventist, and it's always, you got to worship on Saturday. If you worship on Sunday, that's the mark of the beast. And so, but they got certain things that they always hint. Then some people, all they want to talk about is prophecy. And then some people, that's all they want to talk about is just soul winning. But the Bible says that Paul said, preached Declare the whole counsel of God. Preach all of it. So I try to, I don't want you to always be able to tell what I'm going to speak on. And I think I've done a pretty good job of fooling you from week to week because you don't really know what it, what's he going to speak on this week. And even though I cover a lot of different subjects and I teach some of the same thing that I've taught before, I try to bring it out a different way or a few other you know, enlightened scriptures that might help you to understand it a little bit better. And sometimes I guess it can get a little monotonous, but I don't think y'all would ever see it that way. (laughs) Letting this hand represent you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. Now, He hates our sin, but He loves us. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. And so everyone sins. Everybody is condemned. Since we've all sinned, we're all condemned and we're all guilty. So God says that He loves us and wants us to go to Heaven. And to go to Heaven we have to be perfect, as righteous as God. And none of us are perfect, none of us are righteous. So we need a Savior. And God says you cannot save yourself. This hand represents Jesus Christ, He's the Lord, God in the flesh. Came into the world because, well, He loves us. He hates our sin because our sin separates us from Him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. So He took all of our sins, paid for them on the cross, came back from the dead, And said that if we would believe he did it for us, he'd put this payment to our account. And we get to go to heaven on what he did for us. It's not what we did for him. We're going to heaven because of what he did for us. This was accomplished when he came the first time. And he's going to come back again. And the next time he comes back for the church, it's going to be right here. I believe that the Lord will catch us out of here and we will forever be with the Lord. Wherever he goes, that's where we're going to be. And we're going to meet him in the air. And it doesn't say anything about everybody's going to see him. But when he comes back here, seven years later, the revelation and power and great glory, every eye will see him. And I believe that's when Israel is born as in a day. And he's going to set up this kingdom upon the earth. And we're going to rule and reign with Christ for a thousand years. Then there'll be a new heavens and a new earth. It'll just be getting started. Let's pray. Father, we are thankful for your blessings. Thank you for all you've done for us. We're thankful for your word. and Lord, we don't claim to understand every bit of it because of so much. It's so deep. But we do pray for wisdom and discernment so that we can always teach and warn and help people to get ready for the most important thing in all the world. We're going to meet you soon. It's just a matter of time. And Father, we know that there's a lot of people who do not know you. And while we're here, we want to continue to pursue the passion for souls. We ask your blessings upon each one here and those that are watching by internet. And I pray, Lord, that if they have never done so, they would trust Jesus Christ right now as their Savior. Trust in Him, in Him alone, as your only hope of going to heaven. And by doing so, you guarantee them the free gift of everlasting life. We thank you for this day, for this night. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.